is going on, GST fam? Welcome to our very first episode of the Winner's Circle. Today we have a very special guest with us, former teammate, now <laughs> professional player out in Switzerland, Victor Pelé. How are you doing, my man? Good, man. Good. Really good talking to you. Glad to see you again. It's been a while. Just living life, you know. That's awesome. That's awesome. How's uh, how's everything out in uh, Switzerland right now? It's good. It's good. It's getting better. You know, the situation with this virus is starting to, you know, it's slow down, and hopefully soon we can do get back to what we love doing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully soon, right? I know. I understand that in Switzerland and Europe, you know, the the culture is different from here in the states, so. Um, I, I know everybody's waiting to play. Everybody's waiting to watch games, huh? Yeah, everybody's crazy here. You know, soccer is a lot different here than it's in the U.S. But, you know, I think this is also good for everyone, you know, for the population because it's a form of distraction, a form of uh, keep, you know, your mind off the real world, you know. So everybody wants to get back to watching soccer, playing soccer, or just pick up professional <laughs> I think exactly. any league now will be uh, well followed and well watched exactly exactly so so Vic uh, let me ask you what at what age did you start playing soccer where are you from when were you born what are your earliest yeah, so, memories of playing <laughs> yeah so just a little background on myself you know I'm from Brazil I'm a Brazilian you know uh, I grew up playing soccer in Brazil, and as you know, Brazil is probably the number one place in soccer in the world, not just historically for the titles and for the players. That can create some discussions, but me as a Brazilian, <laughs> I have to say that. But, you know, I grew up in Brazil. I play soccer since I know myself as a person, you know. I think in Brazil, there is not much choice. The first thing, you, when you're born, you, you get a soccer ball, you know. You get a, a, your, a jersey for your parents' team or friends' team. I don't know. That's the first so, present. Yeah, I think my first picture as a baby was with a, like a jersey for my club that I supported growing up. And, and I came to play afterwards which is interesting, but... What club was that? For Palmeiras, yeah. I played for Palmeiras growing up, you know, the in the youth teams, and uh, I played there for seven years. And then I always dreamed to play professional for Palmeiras. It's probably the number one club in Brazil right now, alongside with Flamengo, and you can create some discussions there too, but... <laughs> But, like, interesting story. My brother was the one that came to play professional for the team. My brother played there also growing up. I brought him to the club because I was playing there before. And then I talked to the coach. Hey, I got a little brother. He's really good. Can he join the team? And then he tried out. He started playing. And then he went through to play professional and won a couple titles for the club. So, that was interesting. And I not, never got to play professional for the club. I did the whole youth system, and then I moved to the U.S. From uh, w what age did you play at Palmeiras, and what was the process of getting on the youth team? 
So, so here in Brazil, uh, you start playing as a U9, right? Like it's in the US. So the first eight category, it's U9, and then you go U11, U13, U15, U17, and then after that, you know, it's uh, the B team, and then you go to professional, you know? So I played since I was three years old in little, little academies or little, you know, uh, clubs around uh, my house, but then playing, uh, competitive soccer with nine years old wow. and, uh, and you have you go through the process you know you have to go through U9 and then with U11s you end up playing with uh, older kids than you so that was always a tough time and then in Brazil it's really competitive because everybody wants to play in those big clubs everybody wants to have the chance to play professional so the comp competition starts in when you're nine. And then for you to make to the U11, it's not everybody that is making it. So you have to like go through the, the system and really early on, you can get disappointed. You know, you, if you don't make to U11, some kids just quit, you know? Yeah, no, they think you, they're not good enough. You touched on something very, very, very interesting there, Vic. Uh, you, sp you spoke about the competition as a youth player mm -hmm. in Brazil. What do you think the difference is between the competition as a youth player in Brazil versus competition in the United States as a youth player? Ah, I think it's completely different. It's 100% different because for my experience that I have with youth system in the US, you know, you don't have, you have different clubs, different leagues and different choices for you and if it doesn't work in one place you can go to another place if it doesn't work in this place you can go and you know and also in many of the clubs you're there you know it's a fun time you know of course you want to learn you want to get better but it's a great time to be with your friends to get better to train and you don't have that pressure you know if next year you're gonna make it you know, mm -hmm. most likely you keep going on if you want to play in the club for your, you know, your whole career, you know. So that's, so, that's interesting. It, it kind of seems like you have your back against the wall and it's like you either make it or you don't. Because there's yeah, not that many. Nine. Yeah, that's crazy. You're that's, not like a, a mature, like a more uh, like experienced kid, you know. You, you're nine years old. You're just a kid. So... <laughs> So was there anything during that time that you were nine, uh, nine, 10, 11 years old that you would say to yourself or, or that you would think about constantly as a kid? You know, were you ever afraid of not making it next season at Palmeiras? Of course. I mean, the competition is not only in the field. It's also off, off the field, you know. It's uh, sometimes, I know it sounds ridiculous, but parents also would, fight discuss like uh, have arguments with each other trying to prove their kids better and this and that so like of course it's not it doesn't sound a good thing to happen or a good thing to do or a good system but it's also what makes the players ready and what makes them ready for the journey, you know? And the ones that will make it is the ones that really got through the whole process and were able to 
mature and toughen up really early on, you know, because if you don't move to the next step, you're stuck there. You have to go to a, a different club that you may not have a lot of chances on making or you don't have a lot of visibility, you know. So it's a constant uh, battle, you know, to succeed as a young player and proving others that it's you're good. Well, that, so it's that's... tough, but it's also good, you know. It, it's it, it may sound bad, but at the same time, it's I, what I think make the players here at such a young age like so good and so professional and ready. Uh, but unfortunately, it's the system, you know, in a country, uh, it's one of the biggest countries in the world, and every kid in the the country wants to be a professional soccer player yeah no that that i have a saying that i always say that pressure creates diamonds yeah I read that somewhere i saw that somewhere and and i understand that when a person or a player is under pressure that's when mm -hmm. they spark up and something they make something happen right away and that's yeah. that's that's really interesting that you had felt that at such a young age with the pressure of being a soccer player but you know it's also you being around that culture that kind of yeah. pushed you every day to continue the game, huh? Yeah, and sometimes I wish I would have it differently, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I wish that things weren't like it, it was, but it also, it, it was a big part of the player I became, and not me, like every single player that you see out there, they went through this process, you know? So it's a bit difficult, but it's also necessary. And I, I think it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, comparing to the U.S., a lot of the kids choose to play basketball, a lot of the kids choose to play baseball, a lot of kids choose to play football. And the ones that choose to play soccer, there is still a competition, there is still a little pressure, but it's different than Brazil are similar in sizes, uh, but population, I'm not really sure, but if it's similar too, Probably in the U.S., I don't know the percentage of the kids that choose to play soccer growing up, but in Brazil, it's probably in the 90%, 95%. So it's you go to clubs that they have teams A, B, C, D, E, E, you know, and it's constant competition. I think that I was watching the Michael Jordan uh, documentary, The Last Dance, and I don't know if you saw that, but the idea of competition that he has and that he had playing, it, I think it's definitely the number one factor for why he became who he is today. The competition, he's constant competing. He's constantly wanting to be better than he was yesterday. And he just wants to be good. He just wants to be the best he can be. He's a true competitor. And I think this idea and this... Uh, the competition is important. You need to know you're competing. It's not just uh, fun, but of course, balanced, you know. I wish I had some of the things I had in the U.S. and I wish I had some of the things I had in Brazil. But I think the competition factor cannot never be taken out of picture, you know. Of course, of course. No, I totally agree with you on that one. I think uh, competition ultimately pushes us to unleash our best potential as people and as players both. Mm -hmm. So 
after you went through the whole process of Palmeiras, you grew up in this system, you felt that environment, you felt that pressure, you had the opportunity to come to the States. What was the process of coming over both on and off the field? Like, how did you adjust to life here? How did you adjust to the playing style, the, the competition in the States? What was that like? Well, the, starting from the fact that the reason why I moved to the U.S. was because I didn't succeed in soccer, you know? And that's very common. I think it's interesting to share that. I just didn't succeed. I got to the U17 and I didn't make it on, you know? So a lot of people have this idea, you know, to play and sometimes you fail. A lot of times you fail actually. And then because I failed and because I didn't move on playing, I decided to study, you know? And I think that's also a great thing about the U.S., you know, that they focus a lot on the study. They want you to do uh, both together and to, you know, focus on those things, which is just as important. So I went to study. I went to, uh, I had an uncle that lived there. He gave me the opportunity to live with him for a little bit and to try it on for a university to see if I could get a scholarship. And I did. And of course, I didn't speak English at the time. I had to do some courses. My English being improving, you know, significantly along the years. And I apologize if I make some mistakes today. But uh, if you see me a couple of years ago, I didn't speak one word of English. But I went to, I failed. I decided to study and I went to college, you know. And that was a big change for me, a big change, you know. Um, Starting from the language, from the style of soccer, for this, how they approach this sport. Yeah, yeah, That's difficult. I think that was one of the most difficult things that you had to do. And that's interesting. And at what point in Brazil did you realize, damn, I'm not going to make it here? When when a (laughs) coach- That's a good question. When the coach said uh, they didn't offer you a contract and like at what point did they did you realize that you weren't gonna make it there? And then how did that hit you mentally? And what 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 went through your mind when you realized that? Yeah, that's good. That's good because I I don't think I went on to realize that for quite a long time. You always when you have that in mind that you want to play, that you want to become a professional soccer player, and that's so stuck in your mind and that doesn't happen it, it it doesn't hit you you know you still be like oh wait what am i going to do that's the only thing i wanted to do so mentally that was tough and i think in the back of my mind i wanted to believe that it still would happen and then at that point i just knew it, it wouldn't and I, I think it was probably one of the lowest points, not in my life in general, but mentally, you know, when you realize that the things that you work through, that you wanted to do, that you dream of, doesn't happen. And I think it's necessary for every single person, you know, to hit that point that you either do something about it or you just accept the fact that it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
but but it's important. It was tough mentally. I think the mental process of a a person that wants to be an athlete, that he wants to be, become a professional, has to be really strong. I think it's the number one, even before your talent and ability. It's your mental, your 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 head. If you have a good head, you can go far. So just just listening to you from right there, it seems that you took that you know, reality check of not being able to make it in the Palmeira system and turning it into a positive by saying to yourself, okay, well, I'm not going to make it here, but I still want to play at a high level. I still want to be professional. So you decided to take that leap to the States, which a lot of people yeah. don't take that risky leap. Why, why did you take that risky leap, leap uh, other than just going to study? Like you knew you were going into a country that you didn't know how to speak. Uh, the language. Um, were you ever scared? Uh, were you ever, you know, thinking to myself, this was a bad decision once you made it over here? To be completely honest with you, I didn't come with that mindset. That mindset became a reality for me later on when mm -hmm. I realized, oh, maybe my, my opportunity or my door wasn't in Brazil. It was here. So it took a while for me to understand that and to realize that at first was just like, I want to study. I want to do something with my life. I want to get a degree, get a job. And then it, it, it came later on when I realized, hey, I have this opportunity. I either have to take it and do everything I can to turn into a reality or I just accept my life and then keep studying and, and so be it. Awesome. But it was interesting. It took a while. Sometimes you won't have you lack a little bit. You have uh, you have it take a little bit for you to realize what you have to do. You know. Of course, of course. So once you made it to the states, you were I want to say 18 years old. Yeah. About 18 years 18. old. How was it going into the university life? Off the, field, <laughs> off the field, it must have been a, a different experience. How did you handle yeah. that? How was that? <laughs> my, my first year, I, I, I think I have to say it was fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, I'm coming from a different country, arriving in a different country with different experience, different lifestyle, different, you know, the freedom that the Americans have as teenage uh, people it's incredible you know that's not, not something I had in Brazil so my first year let's say I just didn't focus much <laughs> uh, of course I, I learned the language really quickly um, I, I was studying I was focusing on that but the off-field situation was interesting you know I was in the age that I, I was you know wanted to date girls go out and this and that so it was it was funny. It was it was part, I think, of my experience, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> the girls thought I was really cute and funny, talking like I'm wrong, and I took advantage of that. I kept, even if I knew I was speaking something wrong, I would just say it anyways. That would attract some girls. But yeah, I mean, I was a teenager. It's not always easy to keep my focus and and think what's best or not for me, especially alone, you know? I was alone in the US, I didn't have anybody. And that's why I think for, you know, I envy 
a lot of people that have their parents next to them that can, you know, talk to you. And I didn't have anybody to talk to, you know, I had to in that time to talk to my family. You know, I had to do Skype calls and not always you have the greatest connection, especially in Brazil. So I, I, I think people who has their parents or someone they can talk to or keep them in line, they have something really important. They should realize that and yeah. listen to them. <laughs> no, of course, of course. So once you made that leap over and you experienced a new lifestyle on off the field, the American culture and everything, because that happens a lot with, uh, you know, even American kids here, they, they grow up, they go to college and it's the college is a completely different culture. Yeah. What would you say um, during that time? You know, obviously you had a, a new experience, but what would you say that kind of kept you on track on the field? Like, mm -hmm. was were, were you able to separate in your mind when I'm on the field, it's time to work? Or were, you know, were you still thinking about, man, what what burger am I going to eat later today? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. So let's keep my first year. My first year is off of the picture uh, in the U.S. We'll start from the second year. From the second, I had a really bad year soccer-wise my first year. I was not a starter. I was a freshman coming in for a different country. I was very skillful, and my coach didn't like that. He, he liked the true American player, you know, very tough, very, like, fitness uh, level out in the, you know, the American, the typical American player uh, that I had later on to become somewhat alike and that I don't mind, that I really enjoyed that moment. We can get through this later. But my second year was the year that my coach came to me and said, hey, you're a great player. You're, you're skillful. You're probably more talented than anyone here. But I can't, keep, I can't keep you, give you the scholarship if you're not going to play. So that's when I realized, hey, I may lose the scholarship. I may lose the opportunity that was given to me. And I don't want to go back to the life I was having in Brazil. So I think from this point on, I realized, hey, I have to do something. I have to focus and to give, to get that mentality that I was learned to, I learned to have in Brazil, you know, the competition and focusing and keeping my mindset on something that I want to achieve. So that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. Again, another moment in your career that, you kind of felt the pressure where you needed to step up. Yeah. And I think if I didn't have what I had in Brazil growing up, I probably wouldn't make it. Mm. And I think was, you know, sometimes I complain the way we, we, we get through this process in Brazil. But then again, I came to the picture to help me in those moments, you know. Yeah, but it was, it was a good good moment let's just say i took made the right choice i guess <laughs> awesome awesome so after after college uh where, where did you play next what was the next step for for victor well i had an interesting college experience because i came to the u.s i didn't speak english so i couldn't go directly to a uh like a big school let's say or some school that would give me a better visibility 
so I went to a small junior college in Peoria, Illinois. It's called Illinois Central College. And that's where I played, Sajuco. And then my second year, I had a great year. That's when I made that change, you know. I was the top scorer of the, um, the whole conference, the whole, not conference, the whole NJCAA, that's what they call it. It's like the NCAA for, mm -hmm. for junior college. I was the top scorer, leading assist. We went to nationals. We lost in the final. We're conference champions. You know, I had a great year. And that opened a lot of doors for me college-wise to big schools, UNC, Tar Heels, University of Wisconsin, uh, in the Big Ten. But then my grades weren't great because I didn't focus on school, you know. I feel like you have had focus from the beginning for year one. I could have go to better schools, not that my school that I went was – uh, not good because that was the school that gave me the opportunity to play professional. But, you know, that's also for the people that are going through this moment right now, how important is the grades is to study. It can dictate whether you can move on or not. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't have grades. A lot of school wanted, wanted me to go, but I couldn't. So I went to Grand Canyon University, that it's a school in Arizona. It was a Division One school, but it was a Division One school that just came into Division One. They had great facilities, great people. I loved my time there, and they really helped me to get through um, this whole process until I get to the point where I had to transfer there because also my grades weren't good. That's how I came to Florida, and I had to go to a Division Two school. Yeah, it's Nova Southeastern University. I only did one semester there, and that's where everything changed for me, you know. Uh, that's when I realized, hey, I can play professional. Because I got a I invite. I, I was trying to make to the, uh, the combine for the MLS, and everybody wants to be in that combine. Mm -hmm. But for that to happen, usually you have to have a great year. You have to be in a great school. You have to be and the top schools. And for me, I was in a division two schools in, in Florida that didn't have a good year. So all the odds for that to happen were really small for me. Yeah, so the odds for that to happen are really slow, really small. And I was talking, I remember talking to my coach, I was like, I wanted to make it to the combine. I want to make it to the combine. I had a great previous year. I had some interest from MLS clubs that had, were already talking to me, and I was scared that going to a Division Two, I would lose those opportunities. And I kept talking to my coach, I want to be in the combine. I want to be in the combine because for me, and I think for everybody else trying to become a professional player, that's the biggest event for you to make it. If you're in the combine, you're most likely getting drafted, you know. So he just talked to me. He was like, just do your thing. Just keep working on yourself. Keep training. Keep doing your best on the pitch. And if it's meant to happen, it will happen, you know. We'll try to do our best in terms of getting people to see you and so and so. And then it happened that I didn't get selected to the combine. So that was another point in my life that I was devastated. That I was like, I worked 
like for two or three years to get to this combine to become a professional soccer player here and I say there's no way this door is going to close to me again so that was another low point on my career and then my season was already finished in college and then my coach was like it's not over yet just keep training keep if that's what you want keep training keep doing what you you have been doing and then you may have a, a different opportunity coming in a different way. And what happened to me was I didn't go to the combine, in fact. But then I received an email from the Sounders. I say, hey, we're, we're making a combine in Las Vegas for players that didn't make to the combine, the MLS combine. So it's only players that didn't make to that combine. And then I say, there you go. That's my opportunity. So how, I went and how, how long? How long after that you received the news you weren't going to be in the MLS combine? Did you receive that Seattle Sounder email? Was like ten days after, which was probably the ten like like slowest days of my entire life. What was going through your mind through those 10 days? And, and how did you keep yourself afloat? Because you hit another barrier, another wall that just meant, you, you know, yeah, you didn't was, get what you wanted. What, what went through your mind? I was honestly, I, if I, I have to be like blunt, I was hoping that somebody, I know that's not good, that somebody would get hurt on the combine. <laughs> and then I would end up like making the cut or something like that. I, never expected and didn't even know they were organizing those types of combines and though that combine was organized by sounders but all the other teams to the 10 and in fact that combine was before the mls combine it was not after it was just announced later on 10 days later who would make to this combine and you know it was crazy i was really happy and then I was like so glad and the combine would happen in the week after. So if I hadn't been training and continued to work on and focusing, I probably wouldn't do well in that combine. But I was really hoping somebody would get hurt. <laughs> I know that's not good, but I had to say it. And, but yeah, I went to Las Vegas. Uh, all the other MLS teams was there and I had a great combine. I had a, uh, a good team. Uh, they divide you into, you know, my team did really well. And individually, I did really, really well. But, you know, I think the clubs already knew who they're picking or who knew who would be their number one, two, three, four choice. So it was still really tough for me. And then my after this combine, my, like, was, I was really anxious because I wanted to know if I would be picked. And if I would, but then uh, on the combine was good too because they could compare what I did in the combine to what the other kids did in the MLS combine. And yeah, so when the draft came, I was they announced on TV the number one and two uh, picks on live TV, uh, and I didn't make to that. I knew I wasn't going to be in the first and second rounds because they invite you to go to Philadelphia where I was that year. But I was in the draft list. Every club had to announce uh, their uh, 10 names in which 
four of those 10 names they had to pick. And then I was in one of the 10 names for three teams. And then and Seattle Saunders was one of them. And then I watched the comp, the draft, they picked their number one, two, and the three and four would be by the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just hoping to be one of those names. And then I ended up being the supplementary draft pick by Seattle Sounders. <laughs> so that's when I started my professional career. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so uh, after after experiencing a low, you you kind of you got you got a win in that. You got drafted. You find you could yeah. you got you got um the official title of being a professional soccer player now. Yeah. So you, I think you that got, was you got drafted by the Seattle Sounders. And then uh, what was that process like? So you go to you show up to training camp? Yeah, I show up in Starfire Complex in Seattle and, and all those players. And actually, I started my camp with S2. They're just forming the second team. So I went there without, you know, I continue in the low odds of the thing. I never went as a number one pick at the main player or coming from big school or good school. I was, I was the guy coming from a division to a school that had a good ear, had a good individual talent. I was the number one, the, the round four pick by phone. I was never the number one or two. Yeah. So I went to places with low odds and that didn't bother me, actually motivated me. I was sent to S2 right away, the second team, because the first team was, you know, full of players the year before their MLS champs. So it was difficult for me also coming to the number one team, to the best team in the league at that moment, because I felt like if I would be drafted by a team that wasn't doing too well, I would have more chances to play. But coming in in the, the number one team, the champions, I, I felt like I would have way less chances to play. And did, it, you, did you feel when you, uh, you know, when you showed up as a D2 player, um, and everything that you said the the odds were against you all the time you said that motivated you um it never impacted you mentally did you just know that you were just confident in your own abilities that you could show up no matter the two or whatever the case was no definitely was a motivation i wanted to prove people at the time that even though i wasn't their number one or their main player i wanted to prove my work and i think my mindset coming into soccer coming to a professional world was i never had the idea to becoming the best player in the team or the best player in mls or to be a famous player i just wanted to become a professional soccer player and have a good time doing it even now if you skipping to to today I never went to play for big teams or to become famous playing. But, man, I'm doing what I love and I'm doing what I always wanted to do. And, uh, of course, you have ups and downs in your career and you go through tough and times, good times. But I think in the end of the day, I'm doing what I love and I'm doing what I wanted to do since I was a kid. And I think this is the most important so coming into to Seattle, that was my mindset. I wanted to have fun doing it and do it the best that I could. And I, I had a, a good year. I played well. 
I only played three games with Seattle with the first team, but I had a good opportunity with S2, the Seattle Sounders 2, playing the U.S. now. I had some a lot of problems with injuries and, you know, surgeries. So I had a, my first surgery, my ankle there in Seattle, and that didn't help me. And then coming back from surgery, they loaned me out to Real Salt Lake, and I went to play Real Salt Lake, and that was another opportunity, hey, to put myself up again and get back to to this life that I wanted. And then it was good, but they sent me also to to the second team that was the Real Monarchs. And I think, uh, see, my my soccer career is a good example that you may always not always play in the best team. You may not always have a great success, successful career because if you look at my career, you may some people may say you didn't have a successful career. You didn't play for the biggest teams. You didn't want to be the star player in any of those teams. But for me, it was I had a lot of success. I went. I'm going to play my ninth professional year. <laughs> And some people are not doing that. No, so, that, that's that's very interesting. You know, it's um, the way you, you, you say it, you know, as long as you're happy and doing what you love in this life, it's mm-hmm. like you, you've been successful. Yeah. That, that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing point you made there. That's awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, some people may listen to me right now and say, but who is this guy? <laughs> or, oh, he's not oh, he's not a famous player. But, man, I'm, I play in different clubs. I got to play with different amazing players. I had different amazing experiences. I lived in different cities, states, and uh, all because of soccer, man, you know. All soccer opened all those doors for me. And uh, now I'm living a different continent. I'm playing in Europe. And um, so it's really up to you how you see that you know i'm playing professional i'm doing what i want i'm you know i'm living my life i i wake up every day to do what i always wanted to do so i think this is the most important to you but yeah i think that's really important that's that's awesome that's awesome so after playing in the real monarchs seattle sounders you bounce around a few teams and now you're in switzerland now you're in Switzerland, you're playing uh, professionally in Europe, which is everybody's dream. Mm-hmm. How's that experience like? Man, I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying a lot. I'm enjoying a lot because the culture here is completely different. The, everybody lives, everybody breeds soccer. They support their local teams. They go to all the games. They uh, you know, they tailgate before games. The the stadiums are always full. Uh, everybody talks on the papers, the magazines, on TV the whole week about the weekend's game. So it's a completely different environment. You walk in the streets, people know who you are. But that's not what I'm looking for. But it's just to know that they care about. I'm not looking for, oh, for to be famous or to people know who I am, but just the fact that they know that you're a soccer player and that they say, hey, I'll be there on Sunday. It's just like great for me. But the culture is different, you know. 
I love my time in the U.S. I learned a lot of things there, different things. Uh, I had good time in every single club from uh, Seattle Sounders to Salt Lake to the Monarchs and then to the Strikers playing with Ronaldo for Ronaldo. And then also later on in Reno, I had good time in Reno playing USL. And then I just hit a point that I, I was like, hey, I'm done here. I think I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. I did everything I wanted to do. I I think I hit a point that I was like, hey, I'm, I want a, a different experience. And then my brother, which went on to play for Palmeiras, was playing first division here in Switzerland. And he helped me getting some opportunities, you know, trying out in some clubs. And then I came to this club that I am today. It was the second division club at the time. And then as soon as it was arrived, the team got relegated to third division. And that was a low point again, not for me, for, but for the environment that I was. So I arrived here, the club directly relegated. And that's different already because I wasn't used to this relegation thing in the U.S., you know? Yeah. And then team got relegated. And then soon the team started building up and then back to playing again because things here are really quick. Then luckily the team was able to have a good year and go back again to second division. And I had a good year as a big part of it. Tough with the winter here, but man, I think it's just the culture of soccer needs to be, uh, needs to grow in the U.S. Because man, what do you go through with those people that are really fanatics and love? You know, like, by your life you lift that you breathe that and then going to world cup that you went i see you following those people and just the experience that you had in the world cup that's what we live every day yeah, in a no, country that breeds soccer you know it's incredible that's that's amazing vic victor like what what a story you had um and it's it's fantastic to hear that now you know you're in europe you're doing what you love you're loving the culture, you're loving the experience, you're loving the people, the fans. That's that's amazing. It's amazing to hear your story that you went from, you know, multiple failures from Palmeiras to the MLS draft to, to mm -hmm. injuries. And, and then now, you know, I feel that you're at a point where you're really happy with where you're at. You know, you're mm -hmm. happy living in, in a brand new country with another new culture and, and learning that culture mm -hmm. now you know you experience the brazilian culture where you grew up mm -hmm. the american culture now you're experiencing the swiss culture that's, yeah. that's that's amazing and like i say i think the most important thing is for you to make the best of what you have and if you ever experience you go through in your life and you learn from it you take the best you can get from those experiences if you can learn from people around you surround you uh, you can become a, a good person, a good athlete. And like I said, and I have to repeat, a lot of people say, oh, but, you know, you always have those people that will, like, try to put you down. Oh, but he wasn't successful in MLS. Oh, but he didn't play many games. He didn't score many goals. Or, oh, he's playing third, he was playing third division in Europe. It's better to be here, you know. But those things, Al was my choice. Al 
everything I did was everything I wanted to do. And I think, again, if you're doing what you love and if you're doing what you want to do, regardless of the level or what you accomplished doing it, you did what you wanted to do and what you loved doing. I think that's the most important thing I can live on. That's awesome. Vic, so I have a couple questions here to finish it off. All right, for you. Number one, All right. what advice would you give to your younger self? If you can talk to the 13-year-old Victor, what would you tell him? <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. Everything's going to work out in the end. <laughs> That's awesome. And then number two, what is your definition of being a winner? Uh, being a winner is just doing what you love. Uh, you not necessarily need to win anything to to be a winner. If you're doing what you love and if you're doing what you wanted to do, like in my case, since I want to know myself as a person, you're already a winner. So just do what you love, that you'll be a winner. Awesome, Vic. Well, that concludes our very first episode for the Winner Circle. I want to thank you, Victor, for being on our podcast. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed no, thank it. You. Yeah, very much. I didn't know I had this inspirational side, but thank you so much. And not just for this, for everything you did through me. Uh, all the help you have done in trainees and motivating myself because not many people know I was in my breaks I was training with you and you're a big part of uh, what I did and what I accomplished so thank you so much uh, for everything and not just as a trainee a trainer as a teammate too you know <laughs> just good on the field as you're off the field oh, I appreciate that my man well thank you so much um, we'll be speaking soon all right. All right, bro. Thank you.